that's not out of line at all. Um, and I kind of lined up what I was thinking. I, I always, as I'm sitting over there, I have a great appreciation for the, everybody's bringing these kids. Uh, it's, it's such a joy to see them every Sunday morning, and uh, sometimes it's funny, and uh, they do some things, but uh, we just love to see them up here. And uh, uh, Again, that wasn't out of line. That, that was great. And uh, just everybody follow the Lord like that all morning, and we'll have a we'll have a great service here this morning. It's a, it's a struggle some Sunday mornings, but uh, it's it's worth it. Um, I'm ask Jordan dismisses the Sunday school. Good morning, everybody. appreciate that. Um, I do appreciate Sunday school uh, very much, and I appreciate the parents that bring their children to Sunday school. Um, 
there are some churches that they, and I know we separate for Sunday school, but there are some churches that separate their entire services. And they have a youth service over here and an adult service here and a children's church over here. And um, there's a lot that the children don't learn. Like Linda said, um, we learn how to worship and serve the Lord um, through our, you know, watching other people worship and serve the Lord. And uh, I, I've heard uh, in that uh, church that does that, they have a whole congregation of young people that don't know how to come and serve the Lord, you know, and it, it makes things very difficult to pass on what God showed us. And, and so much in the, in the Bible and is all passed down um, from person to person, and, and we still pass that, you know, it talks about the spirit going from breast to breast. And that's how we know when we're serving the Lord, when we're worshiping him, um, when we're in the right spot. And if our children don't see that, what do they see? You know? and, and so I, I'm so thankful for our church and the way that we come together and everybody's part of the service. And Linda talked about you know, sometimes spending more time out of the service in the back of the house or something with the children. Um, but it's so important that they have that foundation of coming to church and, and uh, serving God and seeing God being served, so, but um, uh, that, and all that goes right along with our lesson today. Our, our lesson is uh, talks about we we've talked about um, things that women were called to do in the church. Uh, the one that the first one we talked about was uh, prophecy and, and talking about um, sharing our testimony with people, um, telling. Um, what God had done for us, telling about our home that we have in heaven when we lay this life down, yep. filling in the gaps um, with uh, whatever the Lord has us to do. Um, Blaine taught last week um, about testimony and the woman at the well and the testimony that she'd had and what a great calling that is to testify and to talk about the Lord and, and show what the Lord's done for us. And this week is called, uh, it's called to support and um, I think this is just a great lesson. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to go down this uh, quarterly, and I don't think in a straight line, I guess. And I, I think, and I told Emily today, I said, it's just really hard for me to follow that quarterly because when I start reading, I get other thoughts. And so I don't so much think in a straight line. I think more like a bush or a tree. It just, it just goes everywhere. And, and so I'll try to stay in, in line. I, I, I We'll follow along with the scriptures that it's put out, but we'll kind of go um, however the Lord directs and some of the thoughts and stuff that he's given me. Um, need everybody's inputs and prayers. Um, I, I think I get more nervous every time I get up here to, to teach, um, but we'll, we'll just try to do our best. And um, like I said, I, I enjoy talking about the Lord no matter what. So if anyone's got any thoughts or comments, um, we encourage you just to chime in, and um, like Callie said, you know, she thought it may be out of place, but there, there's nothing out of place when it's in the Lord. It, it, it's right. So if you've got anything, just please feel free to share. And our lesson starts in Luke 8, and chapter 1, or verse 1 through 3, um, but the very first verse, it it says, and it came to pass afterward, and I always like to know what they're talking about. You know, um, some of Ronnie Martin talked about, you got to know who they're talking, who's talking, 
who they're talking about, what's happening around the scriptures and, and all that stuff. So you got to tie it all together. So I went up and started reading uh, before this, and it, it, these are key verses that, that tie right into the lesson. And it's about the woman that came and washed Jesus' feet with tears. And so we'll, we'll start reading there, and um, God gave me a, a thought on this. But So we'll start reading in Luke 7, uh, verse 36. And it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went in to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. So that was a Pharisee. Later on, we'll find out his name's Simon. Uh, but he asked Jesus to come in and sit with him and eat. And... Um, so, so he did, and it said, And behold, a woman in that city, which was, and that, that was is a key word, was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at me in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and again, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. And I think about that, and um, the woman knew that she was coming into the Pharisee's house, and she wanted to go with him. Um, I, I believe she got saved before this, and she was just so overwhelmed with the joy that was in her heart and what the Lord done for her that she wanted to try to pay him back a little bit. And, and so she went there, to, and she was just weeping, and she, she cried so much that she could wash his feet with her tears, and it says, and anointed them with the ointment. So she, and I know I've heard people preach about the alabaster box and, you know, how it's sealed and you have to break it and you have to use all that ointment. And, you know, that just signifying giving everything of yourself to the Lord. And that, that's how we get saved. And that's how we know, you know, that we pass from life to death, that we just give everything to the Lord. We, we, have, we can't hold on to anything for ourselves, but we give it all to God. And... And this next verse, and it says, Now the Pharisee, which had bidden him say, saw it, he spake with him within himself, saying, This, I'm, I'm going to start that over, I get it mixed up. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman that is, that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And so the Pharisee Simon's saying, you know, he's not saying it out loud, he's saying it in his heart. You know, this woman's a sinner. She, you know, she shouldn't, you know, if he's a prophet and he's done all these great things, he, he would know who she is and wouldn't allow him to touch, or her to touch him. And, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat, somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. And so, you know, Simon's sitting there. He doesn't know that Jesus knows what he's saying in his heart. And, but I want to go back to one thing. He, uh, the Pharisee is saying, for she is a sinner. Up here, Luke says, for she was a sinner. And so the uh, Pharisee doesn't know that the change has taken place in this woman's heart, that, you know, God or that Jesus had saved her and she turned her life to the Lord. And so... Jesus said, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Uh, Simon said, Master, say on. And he gives him a little parable to make, make it make sense to him. It says, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence 
and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? So the, the man had two people that owed him money. One was 500 pence and the other one was 50 pence. And he forgave both of them. And so Jesus is saying, you know, which of the debtors would love the creditor the most? Which one would, would love him the most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And so um, and naturally, and Jesus spoke in parables a lot naturally, when you know someone is forgiven a debt, you're thankful for that and, and you're happy. And if you're given, forgiven a great debt, you're even more happy. And you know he says, love the creditor more. Um, but what Jesus did, he f didn't just forgive a portion of the debt. He forgave all of our debts. And, and that's what he was talking about with this woman. He'd completely forgiven her and that she loved him beyond measure because she was completely forgiven. And he goes on and talking about how he came into um, the Pharisee's house and he didn't give him, you know, um, any... Well, we'll just read it real quick. But this is just a contrast between the Pharisee and the woman that washed his feet. And he said, and he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not cease to kiss my feet my head with oil thou didst not anoint but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment wherefore I say unto thee her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little was forgiven the same loveth little and so that, that's going back to you know talking about the the difference between the two you know she had a, she was sin sick and she had that in her and it doesn't say at all the deeds that she did you know and I've read a couple commentaries where they kind of guessed or thought but it doesn't doesn't even say her name of, of who it is but this woman just completely came before the Lord gave everything that she had and he forgave her of her sins and so what what I want to keep out of the scriptures is forgave the most and you know and that's that's a key thing for a christian when we come and you know i can remember my state before i got saved and i was i was a sinner i was a mess i knew i was a sinner and i knew i was separated from god um but when he saved me you know uh, paul calls himself the chief of all sinners and you know I, I think when we come to get saved you know and we can all tell about ourselves we're the chief of all sinners you know no one was worse than me even though, you know, on natural scale, the 500 versus the 50, there's a natural scale there of debt. But in a spiritual measure of debt, there, it's all even. It's all the same. It's all um, complete debt. We, we, we have no ability to pay that debt ourselves. We have no ability to get out of it. It's our complete, total separation from God. And it takes our, you know, forgiving the most is Jesus having to forgive us completely for what we did and how we get that is just 
simply ask. And, and so um, I, I want to re remember that forgive the most, and that ties a lot in later on in, in the teaching. But um, does anyone have, have any other any thoughts on that before we jump into uh, chapter 8? So, um, and it, so we'll start with chapter eight. And it said, it came to pass afterwards. So after you know, Jesus had uh, sat with the Pharisee, that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And so you know, he he went out and he was preaching um, and showing glad tidings. And glad tidings means good news. And you know, you think about the good news, you know, we hear good news. I heard good news last night, you know, about service you guys had down in Kentucky and how God moved and, and how great everything was in that service. And, and that's a blessing. And But he's talking about the good news of heaven, you know, and we're thankful for those good tidings and the good news that we hear. And he went, you know, preaching and showing glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with them. So he's talking about the 12 disciples that were with them, and now we're going to get into a little bit more about the women that were with them, uh, the women that were key in supporting the ministry and doing, um, holding up the church, and, you know, and I talked to uh, Britt a little bit, you know, yesterday, I think, we was talking about these uh, verses and scriptures and stuff, and um talked about the women and how important they were in it. Well, actually, we may get into them later, but we were talking about Martha and Mary and how Martha was running around cooking food and Mary was sitting with Jesus at his feet. And, you know, Jesus had said that, you know, she, you know, Mary had taken the good part. Martha was upset because she was there not helping. And, but, you know, Brett said, well, she took the good part. She did what was right. She said, don't be a Martha. And I thought, well, you, you have to have Martha's too. Jesus had to be fed or else he wouldn't have made it, you know. The disciples had to be taken care of or they wouldn't have made it, you know, just naturally, you know. We have to have that love and that support. And the women did that a lot throughout the Bible. Um, a lot of the disciples' mothers joined up with them and followed and went. And they, they portrayed, or not portrayed, they did follow Jesus. They did, you know, feed them and clothe them and and minister to them and gave them places to sleep and places to stay. They opened up their houses. So they did many, many great things. And it was all support of the ministry and support of Jesus and, and the disciples that they could spread the word. And so we'll, we'll get into some of, some of the women here. And, and it says, and certain women, or in verse 2, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, and so there's a couple, you know, a few women here, evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And so Mary had devils in her. She was possessed. And, you know, I think a lot about, you know, when I hear about that, I think about the man named Legion who had all the devils and they jumped into the swine and ran off the cliff. Um, but I think about them, but... Um, Mary had a, a great separation from the Lord, and, and there was nothing that she could do to control it. It took God, Jesus, intervening uh, to fix that. So Mary was one. Uh, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod Steward, and Susanna, 
and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. So it talked about Mary, it talked about Jonah, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. So, uh, I'm sorry, not Jonah, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. So Cusa uh, had a position that was high up within Herod's um, reign, I guess. Herod was a ruler around Galilee, but he uh, had, so Joanna had some financial means because of her husband's high statue with, um, with Herod. And then they talked about Susanna and many others which ministered unto them out of their substance. And that word substance is key. Um, substance a lot of times means, you know, you're, well, I wrote it down just so I don't mess it up. But maybe I did, I don't know. Uh, material goods and possessions. So it, it required material goods and possessions for Jesus' ministry to go on. It takes material goods and possessions for our church to go on right now. I mean, it, no, no one gives the church anything. The government sure don't. I mean, it's, they say you're tax exempt. I think that's about all the help you get from the government. You know, it, it takes the people of the church to support the church through financial means. And, you know, if there's something that the church needs to be done, someone's got to step up and do those things. Naturally, I'm talking about, there's always that need spiritually. But naturally, there is a need for people to support the church. And so out of your substance. And so you can take that for what it's worth. I mean, it's, you know, some people believe in giving tithes to the church of 10% of everything they have. Um, some people believe, you know, God gives them amount to give that they feel like's on their heart. And, you know, however you do it or whatever you did. I know there was a time in my life where I didn't have a whole lot. had a lot of little babies running around. And it was very hard for me to support financially to the church. So I would support efforts to the church. If they needed something fixed or worked on or taken care of, I would try to do that and to help out in any manner I can. And that's all supporting the ministry and supporting uh, out of our substance what we can do, whether it's our physical abilities to support the church or our monetary abilities to support the church. It's, it's all important. And so these women were there and they were supporting um, physically through their servitude and their you know willingness to do what was needed for the disciples and Jesus and they were also contributing financially out of their you know possessions and their um, whatever I wrote goods to keep the stuff rolling so um, does anyone have any thoughts on any of that before we go a little farther We'll jump over to our next place we're going to read is in Mark chapter 15, and it's uh, verse 40 and 41. And this is talking, again, it was right after um, Jesus was crucified and died on the cross, and it said... Uh, Verse 40 says, There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James, and the less, and of Joseph, and of Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him, and many others women, which came up with him unto Jerusalem. And so... 
I think about in, in these verses and the disciples, they all kind of scattered and they all, all went away, but the women were still there and they were looking from afar off. And another place over in Luke, I believe it's Luke. No, it's John, I'm sorry. Um, chapter 19, verse 25, it talks about John and Jesus's mother, Mary, being close and Jesus hollered out to him and said, behold thy mother and you know, and then he, he said, behold thy son. And then he called to John and said, behold thy mother. Um, telling John to take care of Mary, you know, take her under your wing. He wasn't going to be able to be there anymore. And he just wanted John to take her in. So we know that there was women far off watching and seeing what was going on and, and trying, you know, their best to do something, but they just weren't able to. And then Mary and John were up close watching and, and seeing what was going on. And they may have moved, there was a lot of hours between there. They may have moved back and forth, you know, between being far away or up close. Um, I don't know, I guess the Bible really says that. But we know that they were there and they were witnessing what was happening. And they were steadfast in what they knew to be true and about Jesus and, and following after him. And so they, they were there watching and seeing what was happening and willing to try to do anything that they could for Jesus and knowing that he was probably going to die. And, you know, they talked about later, you know, they went and sought his body and that they could, you know, anoint him and, and things of that nature. Um, but so they, they were all there. They were watching and trying, willing, I guess, is, is the best word to do whatever they could to support Jesus at that time. And just being there, you know, I mean, how, how many times in our life you know, when we go through troubles or trials or things that are difficult for us, if we just have the loved ones that are close, how much better it is and how much, you know, easier it is to go forward with it. And so having the support of the church, I guess, and the, those that we love is huge for us. And uh, when we lose loved ones or we go through hard times, it's a great comfort uh, to have those that we love the most near us. And I, I look at that and with the women and um, women are so much better to me at comforting somebody than what I ever ever could be. Um, my wife worked at a funeral home for a little while and she helped with funerals and things and she just has a knack for saying the right words and, and just being there and being a comfort to people and being able to help and I, I don't I don't think I necessarily have that so much I I try it a little bit but you know there's just some people and I don't know if it's that motherly nurturing instinct that they have but um, I know God has made man and woman he's separated us and made us different for a reason there's things that women can do far better than what I can do and that's one of them they can they can comfort and take care of and you know support in ways I can't you know a lot of times when my wife will come to me and she'll want to talk about something and I immediately jumped at well how am I going to fix it you know I, I don't want to talk about so much of what's wrong I just, you got a problem, I'm going to fix it. Well, a lot of times she just wants me to listen to her, you know. And as she's not really looking for a fix. She's looking for my compassion in that. And that's, that's not really how I'm programmed. It's, if you got a problem, let me know. Let's go fix it. Let's move on, you know. But um, sometimes we need that little bit of comfort and compassion about us way more and just a willingness to understand and, and cope and, and be with, you know, someone through their trials and just let them naturally progress out of themselves in their own time versus trying to fix everything. So 
So that's me. I'm, I'm a fixer, and, and women are a lot better at that compassionate aspect of it than, than what I am. But, so, but what a great comfort for Jesus to be able to know that they were there and that they hadn't, you know, abandoned him or walked away, but they were still there and still loved him and still uh, willing to help in any way that they could. But that's a whole lot of talking and, and rambling. Does anyone have any, any thoughts or anything before we go, go on? the next place that we've got is over and we'll just follow the scripture I'll try to stay more in a straight line with the, the text of the lesson this time and if we have to branch off a little bit we'll do that but um, the next place that we're going to read is over in John and it's uh, chapter 20 verses 10 through 18 we have here we had you know where the women were helping in the ministry before the crucif crucifixion and Jesus' death um, this was you know then they had him during the crucifixion and, and the support that they showed there and now this is after the crucifixion and um, their job that they had after that and so um, Mary and was on her way to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body and she found the stone rolled away, looked in, saw he wasn't there, and then ran back uh, to tell Peter and John that, you know, somebody had stolen Jesus. He wasn't there anymore. And so she went and told him. Peter and John ran down there, saw that, you know, Jesus wasn't there. They really didn't quite understand or know what to say or, or anything. You know, they didn't know what was going on. And it says... Then the disciples, this is verse 10, John 20, verse 10, says, Then the disciples went away again unto their own, into their, unto their own home. And it says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And so I could just imagine her distress and where we talked about um, Mary Magdalene had a great, great love for Jesus, and I'm sure all the disciples did. Um, but when it talked about, you know, he who forgave most or who was forgiven the most, and I think about Mary and having the, you know, possession of the seven devils and the torment that she was in before she got saved and the great joy that she had afterwards and just what a difference that was in her life and um, her complete and utter love for Jesus that she had and her complete and utter sadness that he was dead and he wasn't there anymore. And so she was, she was just beside herself with grief that he was gone. And so she was standing there, and she stooped down and, and looked into the sepulcher and says, And seeth two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And uh, so she looked in and saw him, and... I don't know that she recognized him as angels. She didn't treat him like angels and, you know, and talk to him in a manner that, you know, with a lot of respect or 
anything like that. And I don't know if that was just because she was so heartbroken and sorrowful that, you know, she didn't recognize them as angels or the Bible identifies them as angels, and but she didn't know them as that. And so e either way, um, she saw them there. They were angels. And, and it says, and they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? And I, I think about that, you know, the angels knew what was going on. You know, they knew that Jesus had risen. And so to me, that when they asked why weepest thou wasn't, you know, a matter of why are you crying, but why aren't you rejoicing? And, you know, she just, she just didn't know. She didn't have everything put together yet. And the angels, I think, are trying to comfort her and say, you know, you shouldn't be crying. You shouldn't be weeping. You know, there's more, there's more here. And, and she saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And then, uh, you know, she, then again, she's still distraught. She's still, you know, thinking somebody stole him away. She, you know, they had customs and, you know, where they anointed the bodies and prepared them for burial and, and all those things. And, and some places... You know, it talks about he was buried in haste and they wanted to go in and, and take care of him and, and, you know, do a more proper burial for him, I guess. And, but either way, they, she didn't know where he was at and she didn't know where they'd taken him. And it says, uh, verse 14 says, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. <laughs> and so thinking about that, you know, and um, there was, reading through the commentary, they, they talked about different things about why she didn't recognize Jesus, and um, some of them talked about, you know, that she was, um, she didn't recognize Jesus because of, you know, all of her tears and how upset she was and, and all that stuff, but I don't, I don't know if that was the case, and I, it doesn't say why it was, um, um, but over in Luke, uh, chapter 24, verses 13 and 35. I don't guess we have to go there and read it. We'll just kind of uh, summarize it. But there was two disciples walking down the road, and this was after Jesus' death, and they were walking, and then Jesus came with them, and they didn't recognize it was Jesus. Um, the Bible says their their eyes were holding. And so, you know, God or Jesus one, you know, changed their eyes. I don't think they necessarily changed who Jesus was. I think he looked the same as what he did before. Or else why would he have to change their eyes? Or, you know, and it says that they saw him, but they didn't see him. And then later on it says, you know, then they knew him, they saw him. So he opened their eyes at one point. So I think Jesus looked the same. But I think it was just wasn't their ability to recognize him because, you know, God had shielded that from them. And, but it says, so the disciples were walking with Jesus, and they didn't recognize him. And it says, uh, well, I guess we're going to have to read it. Just, I don't want to mess it up. So it's in Luke chapter 24. But this was, Jesus came and he was asking them, you know, what was, 24, yeah, 24. 
he was asking them what was going on and um, you know and they said you know where where have you been you don't know you know about you know Jesus and the crucifixion and um, Jesus was just checking you know and seeing where their hearts was at and you know he, he knew where their hearts was at but sometimes God gives us things to do just so that we know where we're at and um, so he came and asked him about all these things and you know and then he it says that he began to you know open up the scriptures to him and, and talk to him and like I said they, they still didn't recognize him and and it, uh, verse 30 it says so they walked with him um, they got to where they were going he asked him to the disciples asked him to come in and eat with them that night and stay with them and as and it says uh, verse 30 says it and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them and it says uh, 31 says and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight and so, you know, once uh, Jesus revealed himself to them, they knew who he was, you know, and uh, they began to talk about it amongst themselves. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us? And I think so often about how, you know, um, when we serve God and when we're doing what he wants us to do, how our heart burns inside us. He, he gives us a testimony or a song or um, during the preaching that applies so strongly, you know, to us that it burns with inside us and lets us know, you know, that um, we're a child of his and that, you know, it identifies that whenever we're working and serving or doing something for God, that spirit burns with inside us and lets us know, you know whether we're walking in the right way or not. And um, so with that, um, we'll go back to verse well just in that you know i think jesus changed so i don't think jesus hit himself changed the way he looked i think he changed the way mary's eyes saw him and later on it talks about you know his nail scars in his hands and the piercing in his side and he still had all those things and so i think he was just hit himself from he changed the way people saw him i guess and so that he still looked the same but People just saw him differently because he changed their eyes. And so we'll read verse 14 again. And when she had turned, and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where. Thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And I love, I love this next verse. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. Just, you know, he, he didn't have to say anything else. He just had to call her name. Mary. And she knew. You know, and I think how often, you know, God, when he speaks to us, he'll just say our name. And we'll know, you know, he's talking to us. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of great words and revelations and things from God, but that sweet spirit that he speaks to us and calls us by name, and we know that he's talking to us. And so that, that's what Jesus did for Mary. And it says, she turned herself and saith unto her, him, Rabbani, which is to say master. And so it was just, she knew immediately, as soon as he spoke her name, who it was. You know, he called her woman and he spoke to her and things but when he said her name and I think about how many times you know 
Jesus had spoken to Mary Magdalene just directly, you know, and spent time with her and, and you know, how she spent time with him, uh, supporting the ministry and supporting the church, supporting the disciples, and, and doing the things that kept the church moving. And so um, think about what joy had to leap up in her heart when she knew who it was. And it says, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my bre I'm sorry, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And it says, And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. And I, I thought about that, you know, uh, when he said, uh, touch me not. And I, I just think about how she would want to run and just grab a hold of him and, and hug him and hold him and not let him go again. And, and I don't think he was forbidding her to touch him. I think she, he was forbidding her to hinder him from continuing on doing what God wanted him to do. He still had things to do. He still had to, you know, appear to the other disciples and, and do uh, the thing. So I, I think that, you know, touch me not was, you know, don't stop me. You know, don't try to keep me here. Don't try to hold me for yourself. I've got other things that I need to go do. Um, things aren't completed yet. He's got to send to his father, and, you know, and to his God. And, you know, and, you know, so he told her to go tell the brethren what had happened go tell my disciples go tell my family um that you've seen me and so um she ran and it says she told the disciples what she'd seen and what had spoken these things unto her what he'd spoken and that rolls right back into blaine's lesson last week when it talks about the testimony of the woman at the well and what a great testimony that mary had as she ran back to tell the disciples as she, you know, went and said, he's arise, he's risen, I've seen him, I've spent time with him, he's called me by name, you know, I know it's him, and that, you know, you know, and some of the disciples didn't believe her, and, um, you know, and they, Jesus in time appeared to all of them and showed them himself, and so it was, uh, it was just a great lesson, I guess, and I had so many other places that, you know, I marked about and talked about the support of women in the church and the great things that they did, and um, there, there's just so many examples and there's just not enough time to get to them all, but of how women in the early church made it possible, if not possible, way easier for people to be able, for Jesus and the disciples to be able to serve and, and um, witness and preach and heal and, and do all the great things that they did um, because they had the backing of great women in their lives. And, you know, and I think about so many women in the church who've been my heroes, who've, you know, stood the test of time. They've, they've came to church and stood strong when no one else would come with them. They've prayed for their spouses. They've prayed for their children. They've been a support to the church, and they've done jobs that no one else wanted to do. And they were just there and willing for that support and that servitude. Um, it's just you can't hardly do it without them and I, I don't want to limit God um, but women are so crucial in a good church and a good ministry and a good outreach and a good support within the communities and, and within the church itself um, I'm just I'm so thankful for the strong faithful diligent women 
that or this church and throughout God's church that continues doing what these women in the New Testament and all throughout the Old Testament, we didn't get into the Old Testament, but that they've done from the beginning to serve God and to make things easier for us guys. I know my wife makes things a lot easier for me, you know, um, when they ordained me a deacon, one of the questions was, uh, asked my wife if she would, you know, if I got called out in the middle of the night, if she would get up and iron a shirt for me and iron my pants or get, get stuff ready. And she said, yeah. And she, it was true. You know, I mean, she didn't just say that, you know, and, and that wasn't a part, you know, that, that really didn't, that was just showing where her heart's at, I guess, and her willingness to support me because um, sometimes, you know, as, as a deacon or, or a preacher, sometimes you got to stand for things that are controversial or, or tough. And um, when everyone else is against you, if you got your wife beside you, it makes things a lot, lot better and a lot easier. And so uh, a good, strong woman in the Lord is uh, a great, great help to men who are trying to serve the Lord also. I've never seen him before in my life. Mm-hmm. He was from Florida, and he said, I really like him. I really like the Lord. And he got to talking about him, and in a minute I felt my spirit. Yeah. I didn't know him naturally speaking. I'd never seen him before naturally. Uh-huh. And when the spirit came along, we stood right in the middle of, of the store and worshiped God, you know, just yeah. in our testimony, and he right. gave me mm-hmm. Really enjoyed it, but it yeah. just, I never knew him. I didn't know him before, but when he spoke to <coughs> the Lord was in it, I, I know him as my brother. Yeah. And that opened up because Linda got us the mask, you know. And, and so it, it's that great, you know, it all ties together. Um, it takes everybody in the church serving the Lord and doing our spots and doing our place, um, you know, and you get those witnesses and you get, you know, those experiences and the opportunity to testify and to witness and, and to, you know, just spread farther what God's given us to do. So that's, that's all, all great, great blessings. Anyone else have anything? Anyone else have have a thought?